on that note, welcome oh. to Reviews from the Crawl Space, <laughs> episode 114 of... <laughs> that was a nice intro, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't, you didn't even know that was being recorded. I had no idea. <laughs> I was just singing Stone Cold Crazy. I hope it, I hope it picked it up. <laughs> this is episode 114 of Reviews from the Crawl Space. Uh, we're at uh, at RFTCS1 yep. for the Twitters. Yep, yep. And Reviews from the Crawl Space as one block for Instagrams. And there, both places you can find uh, what we're currently working on and all the past episodes. And so you can look at the album covers and all that, all that happy shit. Uh-huh. Um, we said we were going to do it at the end of the last episode. We are going to do it today, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, every week after I post, like within the next 24 hours, I always check to make sure that somebody's listening. Yes. Yeah, and for the longest time now, when I've checked within that 24 hours, somebody has listened. And... We always thought that it was probably Doug's mom and dad yeah, because they're always kind of involved. Yeah. yeah, but it's not. We found out that they don't always listen to it right away. So, um, I just at the end of the last episode, we thanked that person yeah, for being the first one out of the gate always. for listening every single week when we post an episode. We so appreciate it, and um, we are mm-hmm. very grateful. Yeah, and for you doing that. So, and hope, and hopefully thank you and keep on listening. Hopefully it's not a bot. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, bot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, anyways, if that, uh, that person is existing and real, then thank you. Yeah. Um, Wherever you are, we thank you, Mrs. Calabash. Yeah, sure. So there you go. Uh, the next thing, too, is that you were just mentioning that this is probably one of the better episodes of the whole entire podcast so far. Definitely recently. Yeah, it's a very, it, very strong contender. It's been a really great week of listening to good music and... Mm-hmm. Oh, I can taste that spray now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like I'm going to take my drink. I can taste this Lysol. Yeah, I, um, we, have this, we have this walking path that we do that's down by the ocean. And um, it's been really rough down there the last few times we've been down. And sometimes the only way that we can get on to part of the path is I end up getting my feet soaking wet. Yeah, get some, get some ocean on you. So my shoes have been like totally soaked twice in the last few weeks. Probably in the last week. And um, they're starting to get crusty from the salt water. <laughs> from the ocean. Like I can barely yeah. bend the, the laces anymore to tie them up. And, A little um, salty. After the last one, we kind of let them sit to dry out and... Today, Doug said, oh, they're dry, but they smell like death. Yeah, they smell pretty bad. So I got the idea that I was going to spray them with Lysol. So It's a good idea. Before the podcast started, I went for a quick pee <laughs> and, and thought, just, I'll do it right now. Decided to spray it. So now we're breathing breathing Lysol spray. So now I, I pulled out the insoles and I sprayed them. <laughs> and I sprayed the inside of both shoes. And now... It'll be good till the next time we walk and you end up in the ocean. Yeah. Again. And then Doug is, and don't get me wrong, I don't like having wet feet, but I am really like, I love that path that we walk. Yeah, you got to get better at timing squells. Yeah. <laughs> You're never no. good at that. So. No, I'm always too focused on whether I'm going to be able to beat it or not, and <laughs> it usually is not. So anyways. So yeah, we were so, talking yes. about how this is probably one of the contenders for one of the best episodes, like how we ended up with these three albums today is beyond me, but I'm forever grateful because <laughs> the way it rolls. it's been a whole week of music and like songs stuck in my head that are good. Yeah, yeah. And we were just listening to Stone Cold Crazy before we, uh, by Queen, when, before we yeah, shut the music yeah, off just, to do the podcast. Before we stepped on here, it's the last song we listened to. Yeah. So I had kind of turned away and was doing my own version of one of the guitar riffs. And Doug's, Doug pressed record. Anyways, I'll get on. Okay, so, we, yeah, so what do you got? Um, the first album up is Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell. Okay. The second album up is Neil Young and Crazy Horse, Dust Never Sleeps. Mm, it's Rust Never Sleeps. Rust Never Sleeps either. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Dust doesn't sleep much, but Rust Never Sleeps. Yeah. Okay, it's... 
<laughs> yeah, and it actually makes sense because I wouldn't that because Russ never does sleep. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> the third one is Queen Sheer Heart Attack, and yeah, this this episode is like my. Two of these albums are very prevalent from my younger days. Mm -hmm. and um, It's funny, I could say the same thing, but it won't be the same two. But albums. it won't be the same two. <laughs> no, no, not at all. All right, so yeah, without, you might as well get cracking. without further ado, let's get going. Yeah, so a little Keep bit here. you got a, a whole on. page without any breaks in it. you got a whole page of material, probably two pages. Yeah, let's see if I can read my writing, because I still have a bum finger, so it's hard to write. Mm -hmm. So, Meatloaf, uh, a.k.a. Michael, or Marvin Aday, Marvin Lee Aday, uh, is an American singer, songwriter, and actor. He's known for his theatrical live shows and his powerful, wide-ranging voice. Bad Out of Hell was his debut album released in 1977. The album was developed as a musical called Neverland, a futuristic rock version of Peter Pan, which was written by composer Jim Steinem. Now this dude, ha he can write a frickin' song. Um, he's also a producer, but he also penned Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. Mm -hmm. Heart. <laughs> Air Supplies, Making Love Out of Nothing at All, and Celine Dion, It's All Coming Back to Me Now. So three power ballads that have been released over the years that yeah. were widely sold, widely. So this dude knows his, like, he, he, knows can, he can write a song. about uh, power ballads? Um, Steinman and Meatloaf had a hard time finding a record company to sign them, and they spent most of 1975 writing and recording material. And for two and a half years, they tried to audition this record, and it kept being rejected. So they decided to get Todd Rundgren to produce the album, who found the album hilarious, thinking it was a parody of yeah, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, they thought we were making a joke album. <laughs> so Meatloaf related to Todd Rundgren, he says... I've got to do this, or Meatloaf said that Todd Rundgren said one day, I've got to do this album. It's just so out there. Uh, rec recording started in 1975. They recruited Roy Bretan and Max Weinberg, who, was, who were the pianist and drummer for the E Street Band. And they got a bunch of members from Todd Rundgren's band together. And uh, Todd Rundgren played guitar on this including the motorcycle solo on Bad Out of Hell. Uh, when Rundgren discovered that there was no deal with RCA... <laughs> By the way, no deal. Bob Dylan's manager, um, Albert Grossman, stepped in and offered to put it out on his um, album cover or album label called Bearsville. Oh, okay. But he needed more money. So Todd Rundgren essentially paid for the album to be recorded. And the story just goes on. Like, there's just so oh. much more oh, yeah. to them actually getting this out into the public. Oh, yeah. They're, sh but they're I'm shot gonna, down so many I'm going to stop there. Oh, yeah. By big name people yeah, and record them, yeah, labels. Yeah. and um, Yeah, just, yeah, one of, the, one of the ones, too, was like with the, the head of CBS, Clive. Clive. I God, yeah, yeah, I want yeah, to say Clive yeah. Barker, but that's wrong. No, no, I know that. Yeah, I want to say Clive Davis, but I don't yes, think that's right. Oh, yes, yeah, Davis, I think okay. there's a Netflix documentary about him too. Uh, oh, probably, yeah, yeah. But he's uh, prolific. yeah, and how he's just like he was yelling at them is like you don't know how to write a pop song. It should be like A B A or A B C A B, <laughs> and it's like, and they're like, you're doing it all wrong. It's like A F D C. It's, get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> so Meatloaf stood on the sidewalk just, and yelled, yeah. "Fuck you." Yeah. <laughs> Up to him and his uh, office. Yeah, up into his office, yeah. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's funny. And then, you know, and then, okay, continue on. So eventually that it was released by uh, Cleveland International Records, whose parent company, I think, was Epic? Uh, it's Epic, yeah. Yeah. Response to this album was slow. Everybody hated it um, as far as in, in, the, the, executives. in the executive music yeah. world. Yeah. Um, so when they finally did get it put out, response to the album was slow and it wasn't until they made some music videos that were released in the UK and Australia yeah, overseas, yeah. that people started to develop an interest in it. Yeah, I remember those music videos. Like once again, we go back to the like the MTV much music kind of stuff. And yeah, it's like, yeah. I definitely remember. I wish they'd bring that channel back. Like in its and actual form. Play, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just play all the old music videos. That it's uh, Paradise Park Paradise by Dashboard Light. So yeah, it's just like I I remember that probably like 
I mean, the video, and I'm even a fan of it, but yeah. I remember, like, there. Oh, yeah, that was, it was fucking epic. Well, and like was... you say now, I didn't realize that's what sold the album. Yeah. I, I thought it came, I thought the video was after once it became, but no, they actually no. used it as a promotion. Yeah, yeah, that actually got the album some yeah. attention. So, the album was not an immediate hit no. um, in the U.S., but it continues today to sell at least 200,000 copies per year. A year. It's fucking crazy. And it has sold an <laughs> estimated 50 million copies worldwide. For an album that had such a hard time getting made... Oh, yeah. Essentially, almost almost didn't get made. It's incredible. Yeah. They pushed and it for years. I, I've always been a fan of Todd Rundgren and his music, but going through this podcast, I'm finding out he is much more than those albums. He's a producer. Oh, He's yeah. Just, the musicians, like you said, music... Dude. Yeah, besides producing, he played like far as a bunch of the instruments on the album. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, he had he heard it, he had a clear obviously he understood what it was and had a clear vision for it. It's like it's gotta get out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know he thought it was a parody of those guys and I still to say I think it probably is to It some, does get compared to uh the Springsteen. Bruce, yeah. Well, cause actually, to, to Born to Run, which is my favorite Springsteen album. Yeah, yeah and it does have those elements. And it was also funny too because it was actually those guys from the E Street Band. Yeah, Max Weinberg and, and the other guy, yeah, the drummer had, and the piano your, player your, or something. Yeah, no, your buddy, little Stevie. Oh, yeah, Stevie Van Zandt had something to do with it as well. Yeah, he was. They were the ones that like helped get it out more to to more people because yeah, uh, yeah the studio or the studio, the record company was not advertising it. No, very well. No. Like, they were barely pushing it anywhere, and Which, and actually the oh management God, company was so mad. So fucking rich I, off of it. I, like you said, all of them, two hundred thousand a year still. Yeah. <laughs> and what did I say? It was released in 1977? 77, yeah, 77. Just... Um, and this album, I owned it myself. Yeah. And I listened to it like crazy. I'm not surprised. And um, you, knew, you know the fucking I know the lyrics. Words. Yeah. Like, I, it's, an I emotional, sent a, it's an emotional experience for you. <laughs> I sent out a tweet on my personal account saying, I can't tell you what I had for lunch yesterday, but I sure as hell can remember all the words to... Battle to Hell. Yeah, you definitely did, yeah. To, to the whole album. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the album stayed on the charts in the UK for 522 weeks. Bullshit. And get this, it makes it the third longest charting studio album behind Fleetwood's Mac, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, Rumors? and Pink Michael, Floyd's oh, Dark Side. Dark Side. I was going to say Dark Side or Michael Jackson's uh, Thriller. Thriller? Yeah. Nope. Oh, wow, nope. Dark Side. I knew Dark Side stayed on there for like 30 years so or something. So go figure that this album would be the third... Longest charting album yeah. in the UK. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, but I, I can say that about for, for me. I don't understand it because I also think that about Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I'm going to yeah. also compare this to. Because to me, that's almost like the most direct comparison. It's it's a rock opera. Yeah. That's you know you're telling a story in, in it, and everybody's dancing and singing and. Well, the difference between Rocky Horror Picture Show and this one is that Rocky Horror really just had. A cult following that has grown over the years, mm -hmm. whereas this just, you well, know, as soon as it hit, it hit the ground running. Was Rocky Horror an off. album first or a movie first? It was probably a movie first, wasn't it? Probably, it probably all came together. Yeah, yeah. Because this is an. I remember movie. seeing Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time when I lived in Calgary, which would have been late seventies, early eighties. Hmm. And it was just the most bizarre thing seeing it in the theater and <laughs> on the big screen. It was but, every, yeah, back with everybody then, was everybody yelling, dressed up? Yeah, 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 okay, dressed up and Still yelling. Thing, yeah. And yeah, yeah. So, but I won't get sidetracked with no. that stuff. <laughs> so, the producer, obviously, I've already said yep. Todd Rundgren, five four hundred and fifty six credits to his name. We've talked about it a few times. His own music. Oh yeah, we've we've reviewed we've talked about his albums on the podcast yeah. and things like that. Um, Badfinger, Ian and Sylvia, Jesse Winchester, Grand Funk are some of the other bands that he's produced. Yeah. So the track listing on this album, Side A, Batter to Hell, You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth, or Hot Summer Night, uh, Heaven Can Wait, All Revved Up With No Place to Go, Side 2, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, Paradise, Let Me Sleep On It, Praying for the End of Time, which those songs are all grouped together. Well, they're all together. part of the, the songs like eight or nine minutes long and then for the last song on the on side two for crying out loud which i think is one of like it's a pretty epic epic love song as far as like it's just beautiful it made me cry yeah i was gonna say I like i said it was an emotional experience for you yeah yeah because <laughs> i haven't listened to this album in years and years yeah i believe that and especially in the sit and down years. to listen to it all i'm just like 
yeah, making all those connections in your brain. Runtime on this album, 46 minutes and 25 seconds. As far as context, this was first. this was his first album. Yeah. And the after album was called Dead Ringer. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty good. I mean, like you said, it almost didn't get made, but it got made. And it's one hell of a first album that you can keep selling 200,000 copies a fucking year. Uh, what, like 43, 44 years later? 50 million copies worldwide. Yeah. yeah it's like, crazy. That, it's just inconceivable to me. Is, sorry, did you say it was listed on a top 100 list or some sort of top it list? It didn't no? have any kind of information like that. Okay. Like I didn't run across any. And uh, quite frankly, there's just so much involved with this album that I just, like, I had to stop reading or I oh, just yeah, written there's, everything down. There's, 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 there's so much about this album. It's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Queen, too. Um, I was just, just like pages and pages of stuff about the Queen album coming up. Yeah. And, and, and like you know, and then it has a breakdown of each song and like yeah. all the and quotes and shit. And it's like, oh, I got the other Who things. Wrote to, I got other Who things wrote it? Who wrote the theme tune? Yeah. Sang the theme tune. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's your whole thing on what's your what's your deal? What's my deal? Yeah, you've already been talking about how much you love it. So, do you got anything else to say? Uh no. It just like it's so different and just it's epic to me. It's just epic. And I, I have a bit of a different view on it like you it clicked with you you kind of like that stuff anyway i was you know me i'm not a musical guy like when i say not musical guy just like stage production kind of musicals yeah yeah yeah. i love music just not like musicals yeah and to me in my brain i've always clumped this in with like rocky horror and it's like and just like rocky horror i can appreciate everything around it I, i understand why people love it and the way it's constructed and for me i i find it this stuff like I just the the lyrics for me are just so can be really kind of dopey and juvenile. Even as a kid, I thought that yes, I get it. It's about sex. So like even like a ten year old me is like yeah okay. It's not as clever as you think it is. I got it. Um, but uh, for me now as an adult, I actually it, honestly hundred percent makes me think of forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I can think of when, when he's singing, I can think of that little puppet vampire Dracula guy <laughs> yeah. singing the meatloaf parts of my brain, and I'm trying not to think of it. Like, and very much like this album, he got his made in the end. Yes, exactly. Or his little production or whatever. And I'm sure that had a lot of like basis on like I mean that's the other thing about this album too, is just it's very influential and you can see the influences. Well and I'm not sure how it can be <laughs> called a futuristic a futuristic take on Peter Pan, like. Well, it's not. It's not. It, I guess it's, the, the that was Peter the, Pan type male. That was the original. Not he was to that, grow up. He was trying to do that for a stage play, and it never worked. So he just took it and incorporate, just changed the words to fit into this. So yeah. this isn't about Peter Pan per se, but that's where the idea. It could be. Well, it could be. That's what I mean. It's they've taken that original idea and he just put music to it. Yeah, like so. the idea of the Peter Pan male. Kind yeah, of yeah, totally. Yeah. Not wanting to grow up. Yeah, and that's kind of the lyrics, too. It's like, that does definitely... I mean, I guess that's what I know it's about, but, yeah, those some of those lyrics definitely in juvenile. Oh, <laughs> gonna, for sure. But just but like the whole I said, way the, they the story, do it, No, like, the storytelling, for sure. It's, it's That's that's why I like it so much. You know me, I love a good story. Yeah, it's it's it, it definitely does that. The way it's designed and laid out, it's designed like a stage production, which was what it was supposed to be, which is why it works out for them in... In concert, because then you can be theatrical and shit, it translates. Yeah. So that's why the the music video made a lot of sense, because then you can show people, it's like, oh, here, it's like this eight-minute, nine-minute song, but it's like it's a fucking story, and there's yeah, visuals yeah, to it. Yeah. So it makes sense that that's what pushed it over the edge. Like, sure. and just, like, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? And she whispers, yes. Says, I bet you say that to all the boys. <laughs> and like from... that. And and the little baseball analogy with... Mm-hmm. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Like, I thought it was brilliant when I was a whatever age old. And I've never in my life ever looked to listen or seek out any of these songs ever. I've heard the songs. I've heard the album. I've seen the videos. But I, I was never, I've never been a Meatloaf fan. And I think that... And two, because I just think there's just so much of it. Because really, Meatloaf was kind of a one-note dude now. Or just kind of became it. It's just like, that became like a bat out of hell. And it's just like, 
that theme and the ratchet they never really changed around it it was always kind of the same well and i think that he was an actor before he was ever a singer which is okay the other thing too is like i do remember him being an actor in the 90s but yeah. i didn't know he was an actor beforehand yeah i didn't know that yeah, at he's all. got this huge list of that's of crazy movies. no i remember he do was doing a push of it in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s and it never went anywhere but uh and I think that's why... Um, I didn't know that he was an actor beforehand. I think that's why Clive Davis had such a hard time with... Well, he said, Yeah, I think he said that, too. He, you're an like, actor. You're the, an actor. You're not a singer. Get the fuck out of here. But... Get out of here, Chubby. Well, and the thing is, is I've, I've probably never listened to anything after this album that he did. Never. Oh, really? Eh? And it's not something that I've listened to a lot. It was just... It's one of those blasts from the past mm-hmm. that makes you yeah, go, don't... holy shit, this album meant so much to me back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't uh, don't feel like you have to defend yourself No, here. no, I'm not. I'm I just... just don't. I never, like for me, it was never that, I never had that connection to it. But like. I think it's, I think it's more a chick thing in, in a lot of ways. I don't, Although, I don't agree with that because that's a, million, I was going to say, I, I don't, agree, I don't agree with that at all. No, no, dudes are definitely rocking their shit and crying to that as well. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, forgetting Sir Marshall, uh, okay. just looking here. Yeah. You know what? We've covered all that. So yeah. bad out of hell meatloaf. Oh, God, fuck. I'm just writing that name down. Makes me, it's little, makes you hungry. No, it just <laughs> makes me sad. <laughs> then I'm writing it down an adult, adult name named meatloaf. Uh, Epic slash Cleveland International Records, catalog PE34974, Canada 1977. It's an original one. You know how it goes around here. We're sticking with the originals. And I had just, I put pop rock, operatic rock, because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, the condition, the cover's good. Uh, there's wear, like, like a little bit of condom ring. Um, the spine's almost totally readable. Oh. Almost, you can almost see the whole E, but I have it as good. It's in, it's in good condition. It's get the wear. That's how you know it's good though, is because it has a little bit of a wear to it. If you don't have that, then what are you even doing? Now uh, the sleeve is good. No rips and stains, nothing like that. <clears throat> Once again, though, because it's got lyrics and, and printed lyrics and shit, you can see the, that the condom ring is in the lyrics as well. Actually, bring that out here a little bit. Here. People can't see it, but I'm, I'm telling you, that's there. See? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Doesn't happen that often on those inserts, but you do. It's a thousand years old. <laughs> um, we're good. The vinyl's very good. I just have very good. It's, there's no scratches or scalps. It's it's been played, but it's it's in yeah very good condition. And the audio I thought was it was it was a very good '70s rock mix. A good soundstage because it's big and operatic. So I think the soundstage kind of really re- does a good job of reflecting it. But also, it sounds like the '70s. I think there's definitely a sound decades had and this one sounded like the 70s but it's not necessarily a bad thing because they from the 70s so mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes sense if it sounded like it was from the 90s that'd be a real weird thing uh cover con- a covering concept by jim steinman uh designed by ed lee illustration by richard corbin and photography by frank laugh by frank <clears throat> <laughs> I don't even know. Laftel? La- no, is that, is that an L or a T? I don't know. I can't read my stuff. Honestly, when we're doing this, we're getting these showers coming through, and the curtains are open, but it gets so dark, I literally can barely see the page. So I can't read some of my writing. We set the mood for our research. Days. Yeah, it's like, oh, I open the curtains, it's sunny outside, and then as soon as we start, the rain and the clouds come in, and then the fucking streetlight's got to come on because it's so dark. But, uh, <clears throat> so Jim, uh, you, you've talked about Jim already quite a bit. American composer, record producer. Uh, he has just three visual credits to his name, which I was kind of surprised by, actually. He seems like a guy who would have lots of visual ideas and stuff. And this is a cool record lab- or record cover. Yeah, and he didn't do the, he didn't do the cover. He just did the, co- uh, the, the concept, concept yeah, of it, yeah. yeah. Um, so the three credits he have are this, his own album uh, called Bad for Good. And Meatloaf's Braver Than We Are. So there you go. Which I didn't know. I don't know where that falls in his catalog. Uh, Ed, art director, photog, designer with uh, 280 visual credits to his name. This is the first on the show. Other credits include Fleetwood Mac's Black Magic Woman, which is, spoiler alert, coming up on either the next episode or the episode after that. 
I'm looking forward to Fleetwood Mac's Black Magic Woman. Seems good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Isley Brothers and Kansas. Uh, Richard Corbin, a comic book artist who died in 2020. Uh, ten visual credits. I'm surprised he only has ten visual credits in the, the vinyl sphere. Uh, band Heaven's Gate, Earth, and Jim Steinman's Bad for Good. He oh, also, yeah, that was the only album that he put out. Yeah, and he also did the cover for Heavy Metal's uh, Heavy Metal soundtrack. Uh, you, you know, the movie Heavy yeah, Metal. Yeah. Heavy Metal. Yeah. yeah, he did the cover for the soundtrack. Oh, well, that's pretty epic, too. Yeah, that's definitely pretty epic. <laughs> I didn't look up to see what other comic, like what actual comics he did, because I wanted to stay focused on what we were doing here. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, we because we, we could have got off. We had enough information. Yep. with these three albums for sure. And Frank, we'll call him just Frank, a photog with eighty-seven credits to his name: uh, Chicago, Lou, Lou Rawls, and uh, Merrill, Merle, Ag- Merrill, Merrill Haggard, <laughs> Merrill. Um, okay, I do have some other shit about this too. So in 2001, a Q magazine listed the cover as number 71 on the top 100 album covers of all time. 71 out of the top 100? Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steinman wanted equal billing with Meatloaf. Uh, he wanted equal billing with Meatloaf on the, uh, on the album cover. <clears throat> he wanted to start with either J- Jim Steinman Presents or Jim and Meat Presents. And the record company was like, no, that's stupid. So the compromise was songs by Jim Steinman at the bottom. Okay. So Which ba- you can barely see. Barely see. see. That's, so where it wears out. So that's because probably intentional. Because it's the same color as the... Uh... <clears throat> so the Meatloaf thinks that was really, that was really the, kind of like the beginning of the end of their proper relationship. That was, oh, wow. Yeah, and after that, it didn't get better. Yeah, and in fact, in 1995, Steinman actually trademarked the term Bat Out of Hell in order to block... To block um, Meatloaf from ever from trying to use it ever again, a great because Meatloaf, well, besides touring and all this time, he wanted another album, Battle of Hell Three, but Steinman was blocking it because he didn't want because of all the just like just shit over the years. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> so they blocked it. But so in two thousand six, um, they uh, they end up settling out of court for proper for credit and stuff like that so he could go keep using the name bad of the hell on his fucking tours because he's like in court he's like this is what i've been doing since the 70s and he's never ever it's never been an issue like why should i why, why should it change now yeah yeah <laughs> so they ended up settling out of court to give proper credit and you know money and all that stuff but yeah it was like he blocked it for a while and it really dragged out it's a shame you know because they fought both of them fought so hard to get this made yeah <laughs> that without the both like without yeah yeah. <laughs> Crazy. People in greed. Yeah, I agree. Although I guess he just wanted his recognition. Fair enough. Yeah, and the well the the band or not the band, the record company was just like, Look, Meatloaf is is gonna be the front of this. There's not gonna be like Jim and Meat is not gonna happen. It's it's Meatloaf bad out of hell. Jim and Meat. Yeah, that's so dumb. <laughs> but uh yeah, that, that that's it for me. Okay, I, I failed to mention that there were five singles oh, yeah. released off this album. Yeah, most of them. Battle to Hell, You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth, All Revved Up With No Place to Go, uh, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, and Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, which that whole eight minute and 23 second blurb. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, um, I give it four to five. Are you gonna, well, well, you want to give the... Do the oh, the Discog, Discog stuff. Discog stuff, yeah. Yep. For some reason, I had a brain fart thinking, do we talk about this now? Just four. Huh. Uh, Discogs, 39 for sale from $4. Uh, 3,410 people have it. 148 people want it. It gets four to five with 201 people rating. Resale value on this album is $5, $8.61, and $34.99 if it's in good condition. I have a problem with your four. You love this album. You know the lyrics. You fucking cry to it when you listen to it. You can explain to me in clear, articulate terms why you love it. Why is it just a four? Well, I the other make... two albums in this episode. Don't compare them to the other two episodes. How? What constitutes a five for you then? If it made you fucking cry, you know all the lyrics to it. You can talk about it and all the memories and shit. What's a five? I don't understand. All right. I give it five You fucking five. love this. This is your jam. Five stars out of five stars. Are you happy now? Yeah, your little permed head cried to this shit. <laughs> cried. Probably cried and peed and masturbated. <laughs> well, I don't know about the last two, but definitely the first one. 
such a nut. <laughs> your little permed head. What do you give it? Uh, your little permed head. I get two. two. Yeah. yeah. I can appreciate the all of it, but I'm never going to listen to it. <laughs> we never I will probably, well, I don't know. Maybe I will one day. Well, I, I'm sure going to add some songs to our playlist, but I'll never go listen to those songs. If they come up and you're not around, I'm going to skip them. Skip them. So don't don't do it on my account. I can put them on my own playlist. Thank you very meat much. Meatloaf, fat out of hell, down. <laughs> <laughs> so next album, Neil Young and Crazy Horse, Rust Never Sleeps. There we go, Rust, because dust never sleeps. I was going to say Rust never stops. <laughs> <laughs> Rust never stops. That's... I can't seem to get it right. So this is our third Neil Young. Those album. Those things are true, though. True. Yeah. Uh, this is our third Neil Young album. Yeah. We did Hawks and Doves, which was released in 1980. We did that about a year ago. And we did American Stars and Bars uh, from 1977. Way, like the beginning. About a year ago. Oh, okay. I thought it was longer. Yeah, both about the same. Oh. So, Neil Young is a Canadian-American singer-songwriter, musician, and activist. After embarking on a music career in Winnipeg in the 60s, he moved to L.A. and joined Buffalo Springfield. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, we talked about that. Didn't go well. I mean, it did go well overall, but like... Yeah, it was in Buffalo Springfield for very long. He made some good music with them. Rust Never Sleeps is an album with both studio and live tracks, released in 1979. Most of the album was recorded live, then overdubbed in a studio. It was released so to crit critical reception, some saying it was his best album to date. Mm -hmm. That melodies are unsurprisingly simple and original, while the lyrics are surprisingly... And offhandedly complex. Well, yeah, you've just taken my review. <laughs> that's literally pretty much like, not necessarily word for word, but that's pretty much my review for it too, and why I love this album. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm just gonna reread. I'm just gonna read. Make you reread your part. I'm just presenting the stuff as I research it. <laughs> well, you know what, people? That's I what, took the words right out of your yeah, mouth. Yeah, you did, and that's why I like the album right there because it's like it's it's about the serving the lyrics. The lyrics are the. Okay, um, it was voted the second best album of 1979 by the Village Voice. Uh, it was voted 240 in the book of the book all time top 1,000 albums. Mm. Um, in 2003, it was number 350 on Rolling Stones, Rolling Stone magazine's 500 greatest albums of all time. It was re-ranked to 351 in 2012, and then to 296 in 2020. Mm. So it's coming down the list. Uh, it was number 78 on Billboard and number 28 in Canada. Producer Neil Young uh, with 222 credits. Uh, yeah. A guy named Tim Mulligan. Um, 62 credits. Neil Young mostly and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Yeah, that makes sense. And a guy named David Briggs who um, has been on the show before with Stars and Bars and Hawks and Doves. Okay. He's got 212 credits to his name. Uh Spirit, Neil Young, Nils Lofgren, Alice Cooper. Okay. Or other bands that he's worked with. Mm -hmm. Track listing, side A, My My, Hey Hey, Out of the Blue, Thrasher, Ride My Llama, Pocahontas, Sail Away. Side B, Powderfinger, Welfare Mothers. Sedan Delivery. Sedan Delivery. I didn't know what it <laughs> Hey Hey, My My, Into the Black. The runtime on the album is 38 minutes and 16 seconds. For context, uh, the before album with um, Crazy Horse was Crazy Moon, okay. released in 1978, and the after album was called Live Rust, released in 1979. Which weird. is kind of silly that they yeah. did... <laughs> That's weird. The, this is a mostly live album, but then you're going to do a live album and for And dubbed, the yeah. And then and, they, and yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a weird thing. And then overdubbed in the studio, but... yeah. It's no wonder we couldn't figure out what was going on, like, because it starts off and you hear the crowd and stuff in, in hey, or in my, my, hey, hey, but then it kind of disappears for a good chunk of the album, and then you can kind of only hear it a little bit, so that's weird that they go and dub it in the studio. Yeah, and then, and, and and then, then you... put out Rust Live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, live totally. For a live album. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> Whatever. I'm happy for it. Uh, I agree. Um, yeah, this is a... This, um, for me, anyway, this is a pretty fantastic album. And in fact, so far out of the albums that we've covered for Neil Young, this is my favorite by a pretty large margin. Yeah. I, I never, like, back in the day when the when the gang used to come over, you know, we whenever the, the collection happened to be out and we had a working turntable, it'd be like, 
you know, everybody would pick out an album or two or whatever. We just play a stack of, this was always, this is always in the stack. And, uh, yeah, holy fuck, it's a good album. And I never really, I mean, we've listened to it lots, but now I haven't really, I haven't listened to this album probably since. I've listened to the songs, some of the songs for sure. Neil Young, we've seen him in concert. But, um, yeah, like, like I said, in, you were saying in that review, like, it, that's, it's such a good album to have in between the two albums that we fucking have. <laughs> Because you go from this big, kind of big, bombastic, kind of dopey album in Meatloaf, and then you go to this where it's like the the lyrics are, are just fucking so well done. And it's like the music is in service of that. The music's so well done, but it's stripped down. It's just basic guitars and drums and big, yeah. like it's just. Yeah. And they're up there, and it's all on the lyrics. Well, it's, and it's still young. Like, yeah, and it's just like, oh, it's just so nice. It's to have just it like, in there. yeah, you go from feeling like you're high on sugar to. Yes. Well, just a more yeah, more constrained. You just have like a nice glass of whiskey or something. Yeah, it's a little smoky and get a little bit more zen. <laughs> but the lyrics though, there's like that story. The story element continues. Yeah. But it's just a little more thoughtful when it's coming out of Neil. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a little more lore to it than that. Like, like I mean, of course, my my hey hey, and then the other version, the electric version, which I actually prefer, hey hey my my. Of course, that's a great song. And then the, the Thrasher, and then Ride My Llama, and then Pocahontas. Like the whole first side is. Fucking great. And yeah. then Side 2 starts with Powderfinger, which is like one of his best songs, which I'll never get tired of listening to any of this stuff, by the way. Yeah. Including Powderfinger. And then it's the Dan Delivery on the second side as well. Well, her mother's meh. But, um... <laughs> it was interesting. I can't remember what the lyric was. Yeah, I was, was going to say, yeah, it's, it's all about the lyrics with this album. And, like, that's why I like the Llama song so much, because he's just talking about, like, the alien dude coming down or whatever and wanting to smoke some stuff with him. Uh, sorry, there's actually a, a, an insert here. So, Welfare Mothers, what was it? Welfare Mothers are best best to make love to, or? Uh, yeah, from Welfare Mothers make better lovers. Make better lovers, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Yeah, actually it says it a couple times in here, okay. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, cool. Yeah, I wish I would have actually, the last time through we were doing research and shit, but I actually wish I would have read the lyrics as we're going along this is one of those albums that i would listen to again in its entirety but i would have the lyrics open yeah i'm with you on that one so that i can get a better appreciation i can appreciate this album in its entirety now but i think it would just kind of kick it up a level to know oh yeah and to to, be able to to, like sing along with it yeah to read the lyrics and, and to actually get a feel for why this is such such a prolific album for him? Yeah, and like the songs, I just go listen to the album because like, I listed all the essentially half of my notes are just listening to songs. Headphones. Headphones, yeah. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is a headphone album. Yeah, totally. I'm just looking at my thing here. No, nope, that's it for me. Anything you would like to add? Uh, no. Go ahead. You love you love it too, and yeah, oh yeah, I absolutely loved it. Had you listened to this one like as a whole no. before? No, I have. You're probably familiar with like a couple of songs. Oh, familiar with a couple of songs for sure, yeah. but I've never owned a Neil Young album. I've oh. never, um, I know, my music tastes were wanting when I was younger. <laughs> um, yeah, I've never listened to, uh, the only reason that I've listened to these albums now is because of the podcast. Podcast, yeah, for sure. No, it's definitely. You know, I would have gone my whole life not knowing about these if we had decided not to. Oh, for sure. Well, it's just something we've mirrored, um during this whole pandemic with movies as well. And we could say the same thing where like we, we plow, we've doing all kinds of different lists for movies and it's, it's the same thing without the, without the podcast or without our love of movies and, and the pandemic, there's a bunch of movies we would never have seen either. So yeah. So the pandemic was good for a couple things. Cause we've been able to plow through, I think we're at like 400 albums now that we've listened to. Yeah. It's this wild. is what, what a hundred and something, a hundred and something. 114. Yeah. Uh, three albums. Times each. three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. And, uh, I'm with you. Like, I mean, for me, I have heard this one because I used to spin it all the time, but there's definitely albums in here that we've been hauling around forever for decades and decades that... I mean, even at We've us, discovered, we've, yeah, discovered we've a this, lot. Um, we've yeah. had this record collection for at least five years, right? Yeah, at least, and if not more. we've been, like, hauling it around with us now for five years. Yeah. So, since your dad handed over, so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty good. And like you said, we're discovering, discovering new, old stuff and... Yeah. Uh, Actually sitting down and listening to them. A new appreciation for bands, people, musicians, producers. 
<clears throat> for sure. That's good. So, and well, and remember, I just want to oh, go, go on to off one little tangent here. Sure. And, and I've talked to you about this a little bit more lately, um, is producers. Yeah. Uh, they really kind of, I've really started thinking and appreciating about them more because they're kind of what makes the records what they are. Mm -hmm. They can for and sure. And it just, like, I just think, how did they come up with that little doo-doo-doo over here that made this <laughs> song so much better? Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about record producers. Well, it's funny because that's only something that's come along recently. That's not something we've been doing for very long either. No, no, not at all. Only but in yeah. the last year. Yeah, it's it's really kind of notched up my interest in how producers produce. Yeah, what they add or can subtract. Yeah. Sometimes they can really fuck things up. Definitely. So I yeah, mean, we've seen that too. Double edged sword. Sure. So okay, sorry. Rust never sleeps, and if everybody wondering, Rust never sleeps. Uh, it was just about uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horse. They were worried about, are we doing the same stale shit? Do we sound the same? we got to do something new. Let's go do something new so we, you know, don't get rusty. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> so Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Um, reprise Records, catalog XHS 2295, Canada 1979, and it is original pressing. Uh, the cover, it needs a bit of glue. Uh, it's not ripped or just needs just a little glue and it fix it and be fine and perfect like new. Yeah, and I have to say, I love this little $2.99 price tag. <laughs> they got it on three there. bucks at the store. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> That's an epic album for $3. Yeah. <laughs> and they probably complained about when they bought it too. That's so awesome. 82, 1982 was bought. But yeah, the cover is in really good condition. Yeah, they just need to fix the glue and it'd be pretty much, I don't know, pretty much perfect considering the age of it. Yeah. And, um, uh, sleeve is original, so no noise original sleeve, but there's a lyric sheet inside too. The sleeve is broken on the edges where, I mean, broken is that the album is poked through, uh, through the sleeve, but like I said, lyric sheet too. Uh, the vinyl's good. There's some small, uh, surface scratches or scratches, scuffs, I would say, but it didn't impact the, the playing at all. No, it, it didn't it, it, it sounded fine. Um, the audio I thought was good for a live show hybrid, but now that I know they, they overdubbed shit in the studio, of course it sounds decent. <laughs> they cheated. <laughs> yeah, it has a good sound feel. It does have, it's, yeah, uh... it's good. Which is weird, because like I said, you don't get the feel for the audience very much, but it sounds it sounds like they're in a space, like they're in an arena or whatever. We yeah, not the... just some yeah. little recording studio somewhere. Uh, so... Uh, here we go on photography. Uh, so the cover, photography, the front, or sorry, the photography in the back by Larry. Where we got Larry Craig. The front is by Peggy Young, and the inner sleeve is by Joel Bernstein. So Larry, a guitarist and sax player and photog, he has twelve visual credits. Uh, first on the show, his other credits uh, include Niels Lofgren, Peggy Young, and uh, seven other Neil Young albums. Hmm, interesting. Peggy Young, singer, songwriter, environmentalist, activist, and Neil's ex-wife. Uh, six six visual credits, and first on the show, her other credits include CSNY, uh, some other Neil albums, and her own album. She only has one. And Joel, who's an American photog with 104 credits, he's been on the show, oh, this is the fifth time on the show for him, Tom Petty, Jackson Brown, Nicolette Larson, and Bob Dylan. I actually had to go like I had to go through the list, and then I'd be like, "Oh, he's been on the show two times." I go through the list again and be like, "Oh no, see another one three times." Go through the list again, nope, four times, and then it, it was five, because they don't list. It doesn't show you the green dot next to everyone, but I'm going through. I know that we've covered a bunch of Nicolette Larson, and so it's just like going through, and it's like I don't think I can remember some of these covers. It's all about the photographic memory. Mm -hmm. What does that picture look like? Um. Oh, I just want to say too. I don't think I actually said it in the Meatloaf thing. I've never cared about the going back. I never cared about the album or Meatloaf or the music, but I've always absolutely loved that cover. It's one of the I, honestly, oh, it's, yeah. it's one of my favorite covers. Oh yeah, of a band I don't fucking care about. Yeah, it's yeah, fantastic. It's, and it's a great cover. And actually, looking at it closer, it's like it's actually like all the little details. Yeah, and the stuff little gravestones and shit. Yeah. I've never really noticed. And he is clearly fucking that motorcycle. Like he is laying into it. Look at him go. Oh. But anyways, I've always done. It's a great cover. So maybe that's the that's the motorcycle singing to him. I yeah. got a nine by yeah. a mile. Yeah, it's, a little, it's got a little <laughs> flashlight in it. 
Uh, so, <laughs> but it vibrates. Vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom. Oh, my God. And then it starts singing out there. You gotta tell me you love me. Okay, anyways, where are we at? Oh, yeah, we're on Neil Young. Uh, anyway, actually, that's... You, you, since you stole my my fanfare earlier about the reviews, I'm actually kind of done now. <laughs> Let's see here. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, way to go. I'll run my research by you next time. <laughs> yeah, well, please do, so we don't have these kinds of incidents anymore. <laughs> now I'm done. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Discogs, 19 for sale from $13.85. And I love it when you see a good album like this is actually selling for some little bit of money rather yes. than just, there's 13 for sale for $3. $2 or $0.02. <laughs> yeah. uh, 1,578 people have it. 252 people want it. It gets 4.43 out of 5 with 128 people wow. rating. That's pretty high. What the hell's wrong with those people? Uh, resale value seven dollars twenty four ninety four and in its good condition. Mm. Listen to this, one forty three sixty six. Wow, forty three. That has to be a top for us. And I can't believe it's this album. That I don't know. It. I didn't check that, but it's definitely worth looking into for sure. Yeah, that's that's if if not, it's it's in the top two for sure. That's uh that's impressive. So as so we see, we've given it the uh, same rating. Yeah, I gave it five out of five. Yeah, five out of five, of course. It's like, it must own. If you have vinyl and shit and like music, you should own this album. And you should like Neil Young. Despite your differences in, in his political outlook. Ah, this music's so good. Okay, so uh, rest never sleeps down. Awesome. Okay, sleeping. last but not least. It's sleeping now. Yeah, I knew this was going to be a long one because, like, three epic albums, what what do you got to say? Oh, yeah, I get uh, the first album, look, before we switched to the last album. It's funny because I like Neil Young, and I didn't really talk about it as much. But, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, to get there, it was a half an hour just to get to Neil, so. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's it's going to be a long one. And it's going to be. Well, and it's funny, I, like I said, I find that with the albums that I really love, I tend to have less stuff written about them in terms of opinion, just because it's like... Well, but then you've got things to actually say about them. You know, it's not, it's something that you intimately know. Yeah. It's not just something that you're writing. Just trying to, like, for yeah, the first time, yeah. scratching down information, trying to... Yeah, for sure. To justify so, it. So, Queen, Sheer you, Heart Attack. What do you got? Now, this is our fourth Queen album. Oh, just four, hey? I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we did the game just recently, yeah. uh, released in 1980, News of the World, uh, about 10 months ago, and A Night at the Opera from 1975, about nine months ago. Hmm. So, Queen, a British rock band formed in 1970. Freddie Mercury, vocals, piano, Brian May, guitars, vocals, Roger Taylor, drums, vocals, and John Deacon on the bass. And honestly, the musicianship of these four yeah, guys I, once again, is right? astounding. Yeah, the layers involved in there, like yeah, it's it's amazing. These guys are pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah. And the way, like I said, the way they layer their recordings too, it really everything really stands out. And I mean, I have the bass line for Dragon Attack stuck in my head for yeah, forever. Forever. That's great. Um. So, Sheer Heart Attack was their third studio album released in 1974. They moved away from the progressive themes featured on their first two albums and started moving towards a more pop-centric and con conventional proc <laughs> rock sound, which stepped them towards their classic, classic in quotation marks, Queen sound. It launched Queen to mainstream, uh, their popularity in the UK and the rest of the world. After the release of Queen 2, they went on tour with Mott the Hoople. Mm -hmm. But they had to leave in the middle of the tour because Brian May became severely ill with some sort of an alter, ulcer. Uh, much of the album was written while May was recovering in the hospital. And the album's first singer, Killer Queen, released uh, reached number 20 on the British charts. Hmm. That song right there is what started it all for me. Killer Queen? Yes. I owned this album. I played the shit out of it. I fell in love with Queen and bought everything they made afterwards for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, for me, honestly, I mean, 
I'm, I'm sure for me, the first, the, all the Queen stuff, what is it? Probably like We Are the Champions or something like that. But the, I would say that probably the first one where I really listened to Queen and really knew it was it was when um, Bohemian Rhapsody was repopularized in the 90s with, mm-hmm. with like Wayne's World or whatever. And like I said, they had been around before, but that's when I really was just like, okay, and then went back and I've loved Queen ever since. So I was fixated on that song. I had to learn it. I had to learn the lyrics inside and out. I played it over and over <laughs> and over again so that I could learn it. And to this day, I can still pretty much... Well, what I like about this album, too, I, mean, I don't think you've even read... read we uh, haven't even finished. Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so it earned them their first top 20 hit in the U.S. as well. And it went to number 12 on the Billboard singles. Um, number two on the U.K. chart, Sheer Heart Attack, was the first Queen album to hit their top 20 in the U.S. Uh, the album's been acknowledged as having a wealth of outstanding hard rock guitar tracks. It's been listed by multiple publications as one of the band's best works mm. and has been deemed an essential glam rock album. It's labeled as an important transition album because it showcased what the band would soon become while giving a nod to their hard rock past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's still lots of those like hard hard rock, I wouldn't say metal, but definitely yeah, those kind of elements were there for sure. And... Uh... Yeah, you're gonna go to lyric or the, um, the song titles next, but it's just, just uh, yeah. producer first. Oh, producer, yeah. Producer was a guy named Roy Thomas Baker who has 540 credits to his name. He's been on the show four times before: A Night at the Opera from 1975, The Cars, The Cars, their mm, yep. debut album 1978, Coming Journey, and their song or their album Evolution, and Foreigner Head Games. Oh, all stuff we covered. All, yeah, yep. those are the four that we've yep. covered. Track listing. Side One, Brighton Rock, Killer Queen, Tenement Funster, Flick of the Wrist, Lily of the Valley, Now I'm Here. Side B, In the Lapse of the Gods, Stone Cold Crazy, Dear Friends, Misfire, Bring Back That Leroy Brown, She Makes Me, in brackets, Stormtrooper in Stilettos, Mm -hmm. and In the Lap of the Gods Revisited. The runtime is 38 minutes and 41 seconds. There was two singles released from this album. Killer Queen, and now I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to mention, too, that Bring Back That Leroy Brown. I wondered when we were listening to it the other day whether it had any reference at all to Jim Croce, mm-hmm. uh, who made Bad Bad Leroy Brown yeah. uh, hit. Um, and yes, it was mentioned in the research that it's an homage to Jim Croce, who had died in a plane crash the year before. Which makes me, gives me warms and fuzzies. And, oh, go ahead. For context, uh, before album, Queen 2, 1974, and the after album, A Night at the Opera, 1975. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that because to me, that's the weakest song on there. Yeah, it kind of is vaudevillian. Yes, it's absolutely a vaudevillian thing, which which he does from time to time, but. I think it just doesn't fit it's with the rest. falsetto solo. It doesn't fit with the rest of the album, though. I mean, I lo- one of the things I love about this album is that there are so many different different kind of changes. But that's and every shit. album. Every album, yes, every I love that. Every album that we've talked about. But that's one of the things we love is that it's like different song. There's not repeating not a bunch of songs. It's not one note. It's a bunch of different things. Yeah, different genres, different tempos, different. Oh yeah, you go from Stone Cold Crazy to Dear Friends. It's like you're going, you go full tilt blast to like an immediate stop, where it's just like, <laughs> Dear friend. like it's just like boom. Yeah. Um, and then Lily of the Valley. Yeah. It's just so operatic and it is. the harmonizing is beautiful. And But I think it works so well because at first sight, man, first of all, you cannot play this album fucking loud enough. There is no, no volume loud enough on this planet to play this album. No. Nope. It's got some two, two or three of the best. It's probably one of the best driving albums, but a couple of the best driving songs. And, you know, thanks. You oh, know, and, and- and you're right for bringing it back is like he used it in Baby Driver, Brighton yeah, Rock, yeah. so well. Yeah, yeah. I cannot hear, I cannot watch that movie or hear that song, See the song without. anymore without, re, like it just immediately goes to Baby Driver. Yeah, so you start off with Brighton Rock right away and it just like melts your face off, all the guitar licks and yeah, it just makes you, it makes you want to drive fast. And like you said, like, kill, the metal, baby. Killer Queen and then Tenement Funster, Flick of the Red, like it's just like pow. You have Lily of the Valley, which kind of slows it down a little bit. Like you have this operatic breather, and then yeah, you get yeah. into Now I'm Here Again, which is like a big. And then the second side is a little softer or a little little more subdued, but still, like I said, you, 
Stone Cold Crazy right there in the mix. Which oh was yeah, 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 yeah. That's fucking song. fantastic. That song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's the same thing we love about the other Queen albums, and I'm glad that we're reviewing these because, like I said, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody really got me there. But now going back, it's quite clear to like the the impact the Queen has had over life. Like it's like kind of like almost Bowie levels of of impact. So it, it it's pretty interesting. Well, and for me, this is one place that I got it right. Yeah, finally. <laughs> I agree. Like, I heard this and was just like, I had to have this album. I, like I said, I was obsessed with it. And I was a Queen fan. Like, I, I was in. Just in. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, I feel like the same way. That's To me, this is an album, like like the Neil Young one, that I will, we will listen to over and over and over yeah. and over again. Like, oh, yeah. In <laughs> fact, the next time we go in the car. Yeah, <laughs> bright rock for sure. Yeah, because we had we had a figure tour. We went to the the laundromat the other day. I could play Dragon Attack and Brighton Rock, and it lasted exactly from door to door. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not too bad. Okay, so Sheer Heart Attack, Queen. So it was our two song trip. Yeah, two song trip. We know exactly how long it takes. Queen, Electra Records, Electra Records, seven ES one zero two six. Uh, Canada, 1974, the original pressing, and it's listed as a butterfly label because it has a butterfly, the electric butterfly label. Uh, the condition, the cover is good. Uh, got a bit of a condom ring cause, and fade. It's a black cover again. What are you going to do? But otherwise, it's... Oh, it needs a little glue right there. I like when, they, well, I like when it's the glue that breaks down and they're not ripped because we yeah. can fix it. Yeah, yeah. And true, true. And yeah. it's fine. This, spot, and this one a, is readable. A, next time we go to the dollar store, I should get a glue stick. Yeah. So that when we have them out and they're, they're, they need gluing, we can glue them. They can just fix them and throw them back in. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're right here. Yeah, vinyl. Okay, have sleeve, plain paper. There's nothing there. It's definitely not original. Uh, the vinyl's good. There's no scratches. There's some scuffs on the surface, but once nothing that ever interfered with playing. And the audio, once again, the good 70s rock mix. I thought, for the most part, like these guys do an amazing job in the studio, and the sound field is amazing. Oh. Sometimes I think that they, and it's not just these guys. I think it's just seventies that sometimes it lacks bass, a little bit of bass. It could use a little more punch, but um, but other than that, yeah, it's still. You want like, bass, baby? Go listen to Dragon Attack. Dragon Attack. Yeah, I did. I will. <laughs> I will. Fine. Um, let's see where I'm at. So, Art Direction of Photography by Mick Rock. Uh, the band did this, the concepts, but whatever, Mick Rock. Uh, so, Mick is a, a British photog, known for his work with Bowie, Queen, Iggy Pop. 300 visual credits. Uh, he's been on the show three times previously with Joan Jett, Black, uh, Black Hearts, I Love Rock and Roll, David Bowie's Rise and Fall, and Mott the Hoople's All the Young Dudes. There we go. That's me. That's what I mean about, like, we gush about it, but, like, I have so much less to say. It's just, like, it's, yeah, it's such an important album, and well, the, the, the creation of it, and, and, and you know, and, yeah, Freddie Mercury, like, we've talked, because we're on to the, like, what you said, fourth album now. Yeah. Yeah, it's just definitely just rehashing why I love them. Well, and I really think that our personal experience with these albums is what's really the most interesting part about us doing this podcast. There's so much in here that we don't have personal relationships oh, no. with that we yeah, can't yeah. talk about beyond what we've heard or on. just look up on the internet or whatever yeah, yeah yeah so it's um that's what makes this episode is what makes this podcast for me so much fun yeah well with days like this it's definitely easier to come into work it is <laughs> revisiting these albums that we've loved so much and listened to so many times yeah and i will say this also falls in the same category as neil young that this was also one that would get pulled out and played when the gang was over so good i'm happy that they liked it too Oh yeah, we used to play all the, all the good shit. So Discogs, uh, eleven for sale from a dollar fifty six. Eleven hundred and thirty two people have it. Three hundred and fifty eight want it. It gets four point two one out of five with sixty eight people voting. Uh, resale value five dollars and six cents, eighteen dollars and thirty eight cents, and thirty six dollars in best condition. I'd say that's pretty close to thirty. Cool. I know that we both give it five. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a must own once again. Like must we're own, must top albums of all time. Must listen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know what? I cannot. I cannot pick a best of three this episode. Uh, a best of three, no, no, especially for you, it would be hard because they're all like 
they're all fives. Yeah, because for you it narrows down to two. Two, for it's me, two. It's yeah. Like all three are. And the two for me between if it's between Queen and Neil Young, we're talking like two entirely different things, right? So I agree with you. Yeah, I was gonna say if I had to pick Queen, but then I no. thought no, no, <laughs> no. So yeah. So, so we'll, there is no. We'll put Queen and. It's a tie. Neil for you. And all of the above. <laughs> three, three, two, three-way three tie for you. <laughs> all right, so that's uh, episode one fourteen down. Thank down. You. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you had as much fun listening to this one as yeah, we had talking about. It's a beast. I think it's one of our long, our longest. This is our longest episode, I think, in oh, the, an hour. the podcast era. Yeah, I would say this is probably the longest one. Yeah. And that's fine. That's good. Yeah. Okay, anything else? Okay, that's it. Thanks. Later. Bye. Oh, thank you.